I have the next one? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Kathleen asks, fuck, Mary, kill, Paddington, Gerbert, Larry the Cucumber. Oh, my Lord. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to sexualize any of these people. <laughs> Gerbert gets the death penalty for sure, though. <laughs> He's a child. I know. It's sad, but this is the situation we're in. I don't want to kill any of these things. A cucumber, like an orange boy, and, you know, the kindest, you know, uh, incarnation of love in a in a fictional context. I mean, oh gosh, yeah. Some Gerber gets the the electric chair. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, specifically. I like, like how you're making the, it like graphic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, Gerber gets the lethal injection uh, on the Wait, electric how do you, chair. Really quickly, like, how do you kill uh, Carmen? How do I kill Carmen? I give him what he wants and I send him to hell. I give him Whoa. a one way ticket. That's where he wants to go so badly. And he doesn't even know it, but it's right there. Uh, and then I guess I'm making love to Larry because I'm I'm going to marry Paddington and, and mm-hmm. live a good long life together with him. Uh, fuck, Mary kill. Um, succession, West Wing, Big Little Lies. Oh my gosh! A lot of FMKs in this one. A lot of <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there were a lot of like there were a lot of them that I kind of whittled down. <laughs> I'm killing Big Little Lies. I don't care about that show. I mean, it's fu- It's a fun pretense for hanging out or having a, like a nice little theme party and watching white ladies drink wine and then having white ladies over to drink wine with as well. But I don't. I don't care about that show in any significant way. I'm making like rough graphic raw love to succession and i will marry the west wing because that's the girl that brought me to the dance and i wow. gotta stick with her that's beautiful thank you yeah, that is very beautiful. <laughs> uh fa- okay wrap these are my questions uh favorite gilmore's guys drop Woo! favorite gilmore guys drop i mean i gotta go with dimmy's original try a plum they're better than sex that was the first time we like Realize that, oh, we can like lean into a very disgusting FM DJ aesthetic if we want to on this otherwise pleasant podcast. And uh, that really opened up the floodgates for us to uh, turn into a different kind of show. Favorite good Christian fun drop. Uh, It's all about jacking off. Um, And that's also my favorite drop. Um, from Caroline, so I'll go with that. It's such a it's a pure distillation of who she is as a person. No context necessary. Uh, uh, which Gilmore Girls character would be the biggest CRJ stand? Um, I, th- uh, I, I think, I think Lane. Lane would like combat oh, yeah. the because she would understand. Like, I, I think Lorelai and Rory would have, uh, like, oh, isn't she just a one-hit wonder kind of snobbery towards her at first? And then Lane would be like, no, no, no. Clearly, you haven't listened to emotion. Clearly, you haven't listened uh-huh. to. You know, the early set like so I feel like Lane would would push through the stuff that a lot of people get ensnared in. And uh, Lane would cut to the feeling, I think. <laughs> I would say like um, I would say uh, what's his name? Uh, Logan, because he loves like crawling through windows. Um, so uh, <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, should we start the episode? That's my rapid fire. I'm going to say, yes, we should. Let's start the episode. Click. Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remember that it's.
Welcome to I've Been Meaning to Listen to That, the podcast where we go through albums we've been mean to listen to and use it as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. Wow. Really quickly, like, um, welcome to uh, Carly Rae April, uh, the month of April where we, the month dedicated uh, to uh, the queen of the wholesome horny bop, Carly Rae Jepsen. And um, yeah. I just want to say, I just want to say real quick that like we really messed up by not having Carly Mae Jepsen, like, but <laughs> <laughs> two more competent hosts would <laughs> come up with that. Well, we're not going to change it. We're just we're <laughs> riding through this. Okay, um, so let's uh, take this time to introduce our uh, very, very, very special guest. Hell yeah. Um, you you might know him from or heaven, yeah. Uh, Gilmore Guys and the subsequent spin-off podcast Bunhead Bros, The Marvelous Miss Maisel Men, The Entourage Entourage, and Maisel Goys. You also might know him as the co-host of the Good Christian Fun podcast on Headgum, and you might know him as the biggest Paddington stand you'll ever know. It's Kevin T. Porter. Hey. Yay. <laughs> hey, welcome to me. What a great intro. Thank you so much, friends. Hi, Kevin. Thrilled wow. to be here. We're friends. We're thrilled um, to have you we here, We did honestly. it. You're our first verified guest. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the blue check mark, baby. I'm just kidding. Don't, like, cut that out, please. Does, does, it, does it become, a, like, an unreturnable threshold now that you will no longer be able to have anyone on that is not verified? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're important I mean, now. next episode we're having Shane Gillis on, but like we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> stop no, making that, that joke! Is, <laughs> you actually hate to see it and hate to hear it. Unforged. Hey, he 100%. needs work. He needs a job. Like he, <laughs> he needs to talk to his mom. Is my take on it. He needs all those things. He needs a support system that lets him know that he doesn't have to be like that. Wow, what, what a very. This is very compassionate. Is that too compassionate? That's <laughs> an, an unexpectedly sincere. compassionate. Res- <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we love you, Shane. Come on the show. Um, no. So, <laughs> um, so um, okay. Uh, once again, thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Gilmore Guys and Good Cushion Fun for like, about two years now, like so much so that like um, uh, it was a really special thing to witness like you and Demi and you and Caroline, like two normal folks just like make something special. And like, I think your show and Good Christian Fun, like Gilmore Guys, Good Christian Fun, like kind of like helped me kind of pull the trigger in terms of like starting this show, because before that, like it felt like, you know, it was like a little more popular if you like your Mark Marins and your Scott Ackermans and like stuff like that. People who are like 
a little felt like a little more bred to do so and like a little more experience. But at the time, you two, you and Demi and were just like two regular folks, just like wanting to make something cool and wanting to make something special. And like, um, so like that, like really like made it feel very possible to like do this show and like, um, make something special with my friend. Um, it, it's like, so thank you. So yeah. thank you so <laughs> Yeah. So like, thank you so much for that. Like, it's like really, and it, it is like a very, uh, it is very surreal and very cool to like have you on. So thank you for joining us to talk about Carly. Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you so much for saying that stuff. I do like to receive that compliment as like, you know, people who uh, started shows before and maybe had more of a connection or an adjacent career. That's one thing. But then to see two completely unqualified <laughs> people somehow succeed or thrive in any my uh, minuscule way is uh, I'm happy to be that inspiration yeah. <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. Um. So, um. OK, so. Could, okay, so like to those who are not as familiar with Good Christian Fun, could you tell the audience like what the show is and like what it's about and what the aim of the show is? Sure. So it's a podcast where we talk about Christian evangelical pop culture. So things like Christian music and, and movies and entertainment and stuff that Christians make for a Christian audience, uh, which is its own bizarre little weird upside down subculture <laughs> of regular pop culture. There's Christian equivalents to secular bands. So if you like Counting Crows, <laughs> you might like Third Day. If you like uh, NWA, you might like DC Talk. <laughs> well, actually, that's probably not true, but things like that. And so we have people on to talk about that weird, wild stuff and also talk about their own experience and relationship with faith while not trying to make anybody go to church or to proselytize to them or to bash their beliefs either, but just to have fun and and talk about and process faith stuff from a safe distance. Mm -hmm. And like that, that seems like a very like specific and tricky needle to thread of like, not what, not proselytizing, not like, but also like not like bashing other people's beliefs, but also like respecting people's like experiences, experiences with that, their trauma, any of, and like, being very respectful while also like being a comedy show. So like, I was wondering like, how do you like approach that? Like every week of uh, just like that balance in a sense. Uh, well, you know, I mean, everyone has different philosophies of this stuff and I do still think of it as foremost a comedy show, but I think of it in that sense of like comedy as a vehicle for delivering other stuff and delivering whatever is the, substance of the conversation or whatever perspective or message that we have in the same way that like when you have a conversation with a friend of yours you don't think of it primarily as like well i'm about to have like a comedy conversation but there is like moments where you laugh and you make jokes or make fun of each other as a part of that just like long-term relationship and knowing each other getting to know each other or even like on a date or something so i i view the comedy as just like um as like almost like a different a species of hospitality to use in those moments to make people feel safe, to make people feel disarmed and comfortable in a good way. Uh, so they can talk about like the things that are actually on their hearts and then maybe using comedy as a way of like, as a destination of process as well as a method of process. So, you know, when you're laughing at something, you can't be afraid at the same time. So if there's a way to, 
uh, have a perspective about whatever ideas you had about the universe or what you thought God was or what you think God is now, if you can do that while laughing at the same time, then it's not harmful and it's not hateful and it's not uh, primarily toxic or hurtful to yourself or to other people. So I think that's kind of a, you know, highfalutin foo-foo way to put it, but I feel like that is sort of a goal of the show, even when it's not consciously stated as such. Yeah. And like, I think you guys do a really good job of like, um, because you two, you and Caroline come from faith backgrounds and like have like a very strong familiarity, familiarity with that. But like, um, but also like, again, taking care of your guests and being very hospitable and empathetic towards them. And like, also like extracting the good that could be taken out of like someone like a carman or like uh Kanye or like something like that and like I really I really enjoyed your I, I really like I've been thinking about this a lot of like how your how your Kanye episode just like I was kind of like a little hesitant to listen to it because it was like not that I'm like a su super huge Kanye head but like that that um intersection of like you know race and like uh, mental health and his bipolar disorder and then you know faith and all that stuff and like you like the way you like researched all that stuff, the way you like kind of prepared for that and made sure to be um, thoughtful and like considerate about that subject matter. Like when it comes to like faith, when it comes to, like mental illness, but also, uh, but also like making it like very funny. Like I love the Sistine Chapel, like stuff like that. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, it is like a really like, I, I don't think there are a lot of shows it's a very like it's it's like it's hard to like recommend the show to people because it's a very specific again it's like a very very niche thing but it also like because it's so niche that's why it really resonates with me and that's why it like really is like particularly hilarious and particularly like edifying to listen to so like thank thank you so much yeah um, i really appreciate that thank you for saying that Oh, uh, <laughs> um, the, okay. So one more question before we get into Carly, um, how, and this is to Ezra too. Uh, <laughs> this is the most I've prepared for any interview or like any guest. So hey, like, um, what an honor to not be phoned in on <laughs> the interview. Like your other unverified guest. <laughs> get a blue check mark and we'll talk. Um, how has, and this is to Ezra too, like how has being raised Christian impacted the way you currently consume music and or media? Uh, well, I think, I think uh, it's made me not a snob about some stuff in a good way, because in revisiting some contemporary Christian music in my adult life, even feeling that I have some semblance of like taste or a palate or something like that, I feel like I can thoughtfully say, hopefully I can thoughtfully say like, oh, this is good or this is bad. And it doesn't have to be exactly this certain kind of thing or that certain kind of thing. Uh, so I feel like hopefully it's made me not a snob with that stuff. And then also I think it's just given me a deeper sense of appreciation because we were raised on so much that was just Christian music or gospel adjacent. So anything else felt so abnormal. And even now in my adult life, it feels like, oh, wow, this is new and exciting, even though yeah, it is. Yeah, I definitely feel that. 
it, it still it still feels new and exciting even even as an adult because it still somewhat feels like an aberration of like bass or home so like if bass or home is like you know christian music that's bass or home and so everything else just feels a little bit richer in that sense i feel like i relate a lot to that uh like just kind of feeling uh like the music is a little bit like richer and like feeling like it's something new to me even though like i am a little bit further removed from that now um just because when i was growing up uh i've talked about this on the podcast before it's like just been country and christian music and so like breaking out of that into like (laughs) um the broader world of music was definitely like an enriching experience and then i'd say it's also impacted me um because i tend to like be really um like hyper focused on like the vocals and the lyrics of a song. So like that's why uh some m- music is a little bit harder for me to get into like uh certain types of like punk or things like that because like they focus and, and like metal and stuff like that too because they focus a lot more on like the music than they do on like what they're actually trying to say with the song. And uh Like, I think that that was kind of a value to me just because I was always looking to make sure that, like, a song was Christian enough to listen to when I was a kid. And that, like, um, that I wasn't, like, saying things that I didn't believe in. And now I'm, like, a little bit more forgiving on it, but I'm still, like, very uh, tuned into what's going on. Yeah, I feel like being raised with a lot of that stuff gives uh, oftentimes almost as a reaction against it and uh, uh, in, in just like taking things wholesale, it gives you a little bit of discernment for other yeah, stuff. Absolutely. So you're always kind of like mm-hmm. um, trying to evaluate stuff on its own merits, but then also trying to tune into like, Oh, what's the core of this actually saying? And what is the, right. so it's like the net result of a lot of our upbringing is that we became more vigilant about this stuff that we were, you know, cause that was a big theme impressed upon us is like, you know, what goes in must come out and like be mindful and be wise about what you're consuming, which was kind of given to us in, in really probably black and white binary or didactic ways. But I do mm-hmm. find still a lot of truth in that idea of just yeah. always know what it is that you're processing or consuming. Cause, cause mm-hmm. some things like, you know, like it's pretty easy to, internalize ideas of racism or ideas of misogyny or ideas that are like seem subtle or seem harmless or even like certain media that seems harmless but actually does affect worldview in a in a mostly negative way so i feel like i definitely have that uh or i try to practice that gift now at least well yeah and i think that um it can kind of foster a certain amount of like self-hate with some music too And so I think that, like, you need to be careful um, about, like, what you take in to some extent. Like, definitely don't make it, like, a black or white issue. But, like, there's nothing wrong with being a little bit more discerning about it and, uh, like, making sure that you're not um, reinforcing ideas that are ultimately harmful to you or the world around you. Yeah, I, I, like, I can't, like, I I can't, like, just listen to, like... It does feel like a little bit like of a disease, but like I can't just like listen to something to enjoy it anymore. I have to like think about the implications of like this like supports this and like what is this actually saying? And like it's like it's a blessing and a curse. It it also like leads to like a certain amount of like like a, a level of paranoia too. like I remember when 
I think I told Ezra this, but like I remember when I was a kid, um, that like, <laughs> like um, I remember when I was a kid, I saw a church play where like the sinner character was like break dancing. I thought that was like he was like breakdancing to like rap music. And I thought it was like so cool. And like I was like my six year old self, like <laughs> later, late a few days later, like try to do that in my room. And then my parents walked in and I started crying. And I was like, and they're like, what? They were like amused, like, what, what's wrong? Why are you crying? It's, it's cute, whatever. And then like I was like, I was doing the sitter dance. I was like, and like, <laughs> <laughs> but like the. The idea of just like um, the uh, other side of it too is just like that fear, all like that. I, I again, I cannot just like enjoy things anymore. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's a good thing. But like, and like for and like it applies to a lot of things. Like with Christianity, for better for worse. Like um, it has like made me like kind of like hold back and like kind of like diminish myself to a degree but at the same time it has made me very careful it has made me very cognizant and hyper aware of what i'm consuming and what they're saying and all that stuff totally uh so speaking of all of that i don't know <laughs> like that's not a, <laughs> not a transition a flawless segue <laughs> yeah yeah well, <laughs> i i appreciate validation from a pro like you um <laughs> so <laughs> Um, let's talk about Carly Rae Jepsen. Like, what are your, um, preconceived notions about Carly and how did you get into her? Carly Rae Jepsen. Well, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was swept up in Call Me Maybe fever in 2012. Really? Like, like all, all of us were. Yeah. I, I, I always thought it was a bop, but you know, I didn't have any curiosity to get more into that particular album to get into What's it called? Kiss. That's Kiss, the name yeah. of the album. So I, I didn't have any desire to get into that. But um, I think when I saw how much people were going gaga over emotion on Twitter back in two, in 2015 when it came out, it was enough for me to at least want to check it out. And, you know, and, and again, try not to be a snob about any of the genres and like good music can come from anywhere. I remember I have this very distinct memory of walking around Washington, D.C., I was there for work at the time and just walking around it and listening to emotion for the first time and listening to boy problems over and over again on repeat mm -hmm. and like getting into that album in that specific city at that specific time in my life. I'll, I'll always associate that with that stuff. Um, so, which is not true of every album. Mostly it's just like, yeah, I was driving around LA and I put it on in the car, but like, that was like a very specific time in my life. And, uh, and then after that, I really had no choice but to stand <laughs> and, and to, uh, you know, and I'm not like in the, in the deep dive sense of like, I know, okay. And then she dated this guy in 2016 and she worked with this producer, but just like to stand in, in the old traditional sense of like, listen to her music all the time and a lot. And so Dedicated was a very much anticipated album for me for this year. Can I just point out the phrase uh, stand in the old traditional sense? <laughs> yes. Oh, to stand as they used to stand in the 1800s. <laughs> well, I stand Charlie Chaplin at the old talkies and at the movies. We stand. We have no choice but to stand, Buster Keaton. <laughs> 
Uh, or Mozart. We have no choice but to stun. <laughs> um, so, uh, like, with Dedicated, like, what were you kind of like, with that record, like, what were your expectations with it? What were your, what were you kind of like, wanting it to be what were you anticipating it to be um i just i was just hoping that she wouldn't regress at all and that she would at least maintain the the kind of like european disco-y production vibes and pop sensibilities of emotion maybe further along some of that stuff but i don't i didn't i didn't want like a modern a more modern carly i didn't want 2019 carly i wanted what, or I, I wanted whoever Carly was in 2019, but I didn't want it to sound uh, like that in particular. So, uh, you know, like, unfortunately, it's like that classic, like more the same, but still surprise me at the same yeah. time. I, I, I feel like that was that was a, a, a healthy part of my expectation for that stuff. So uh, uh, um, what about you, Ezra? What, what were your expectations like going into this record? Yeah, so uh, this was definitely the one that I was a little bit more excited about, um, just because I didn't get into like Carly back in the day. Um, kind of aside from Call Me Maybe, I didn't really listen to her until this year, and it's because um, of you, Andrew, like being such a fan now. Oh. Um, and I uh, like you had put uh, one of her songs on our playlist. And so I listened to that and uh, really loved it and specifically everything he needs. Um, and, uh, since that's from this album, like I was kind of, uh, expecting more of that and like got really excited about it. Cause I like the sound of that, uh, song a lot. Um, but then, uh, I don't know, like after kind of diving into emotion for the last episode, like, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know that like my opinion of it changed as much, but like, I kind of, um, felt where some of these like things started and like the uh Mm -hmm. kind of seeds that she planted of like the synth pop stuff and uh so i um yeah i don't know i looked forward to this a lot is what i'm trying to say basically (laughs) great (laughs) great um a plus quotes (laughs) it's good or whatever you said um yeah shut the uh, fuck up I can say that a song is good and just leave it at that, okay? That's all our uh, show should be is just saying. I'm, I'm just this saying in our good, music criticism podcast, like okay, like guys, should I leave? <laughs> I want I want you guys to thrive and work this out. I feel like I'm getting in the way. No, please, please stay. Um, so uh, for as for me, I think like I uh, my obsession and love and standitude for. Carly is like very well documented at this point. Um, yes. <laughs> I I think like it's like um, uh, just like to quickly go over it for Kevin. Uh, I uh, I saw I saw this call, call me maybe girl. I thought the song was cute, but like didn't really think too much of it. Then uh, people on Facebook like started to like, you know, talk about like emotion and how great it was and like. Also listening to Gilmore guys a little bit, like, and you talking about it a little bit, kind of like, oh, a person, uh, oh, wow, like a person, like, I think is cool, like, likes this record. Maybe I'll check it out later. Um, But, like, it wasn't, like, a priority. And, like, listening to it for, like, listening to it initially, I was like, ah, I was kind of just, I kind of dismissed it as, like, bland and, like, not, not, not for me. Like, I like boy problems, but, like, I didn't really, like, resonate with it. But then, like, a few years later, it's just, like, 
hit me like hard and like I really got everything she was talking about. I like every like she has a great her skill I feel is she's able to find like I, I feel like she has like this great like command of like song songcraft and songwriting that she can like get to the essence of the feeling in just like very small verses or a chorus or something along those lines. And like I was going through. Uh, do you think that like listening back to the album and uh, like enjoying it a lot more like the second time around and it like hitting you that that's just kind of like a right place, right time type of thing? It was, uh, yeah, absolutely. It is a right place, right time thing of just like I was going through like I think so like to talk about this record in particular when I was like kind of like playing through emotion and I was like it was getting to a point where it was a little played out I was kind of I was still really liking it a lot but like I was like I listened to it so many times that like it really like I was like itching for like new stuff and then like Party for One came out and during that time I was like um two years ago like I fell in love with this girl and like um two years later we kind of like stopped talking to each other kind of like went our separate ways and then like I was still even two years later I was still like kind of dealing with the aftermath of that still dealing with the pain and just like I felt guilty because like I didn't like I felt bad that I was still feeling bad even though so much time has passed even though like um you know the world's kind of like moved on in a sense I was still like in this headspace and then just like hearing Carly sing like in Party for One, just like um, the like, I'm not over it, but I'm trying. And it's just, I just like, I was, it was the rejuvenation that I needed. It was like, it was that solidarity. It was that, um, and like, I just like listened to that song on repeat, like all the time for like a very long time. And like, I was heavily anticipating this record to the point where like where the other singles came out i started like to make theories of like <laughs> what is this song like how is this song leading to this song because like we like had like little like we had like there are like three or four songs out at the, like what is she trying to tell with this story here and like i was like very i feel like the the real the layout the rollout was a little clumsy and a little prolonged in terms of like party for one came out in november then in march Four months later, like, two new songs came out. And then, like, two months later, like, the whole record came out. It was just, like, it, it was, like, a very long, like, kind of prolonged layout. But I, nevertheless, I was still, like, really excited yeah. about it. So, like, let's get into, let's get into um, themes of this record. Like, what do you feel are the themes Carly is talking about in this Record. I mean, it's life and love and other mysteries. It's relationships, man. I feel like her entire it's, discography it's... could be described that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's very base. She's going to be it's not, it looks like she's going to be a songwriter. And if she wants the long career, she can have it and be the kind of person that writes kind of the same song over and over again in some ways and kind of keeps like refining it and perfecting it and putting it into like new modes and new keys and new verses and choruses, but it's kind of, kind of be the same one. And like, 
just that part of opening your your heart up to someone else and and a sincere desire for love and connection. I feel like that's the main and theme. I it might be the only one of the album, unless unless you you two disagree uh, and have a different read of it. Yeah, I definitely see that. Like, she is kind of talking about a lot of the same things that she talked about on Emotion, but there's, like, an increased, like, uh, confidence and, like, uh, like Andrew mentioned, there's, like, an increased, like, sexiness to it as well. She, like, seems to be generally a lot more happy and, like, kind of centered in, like, who she is as a person and, like, a lot healthier type of love is coming out of that. Like, Emotion was a lot of, like, un like, kind of based around a lot of unmet desire of like her feeling of very strongly about this person, yet those feelings not being reciprocated. And with this record, it's like, finally she, a lot of these songs are still about desire, about the wanting, about the lead up to the thing. But like, it's, it's like now in this record, it's like closer than ever. It's within her grasp. And, um, it's like really wonderful to see. It's like really um, aspirational in a lot of ways uh, for me personally. Like it's like um, I feel like uh, and like very like um, what's it called? Like I really, really relate to that of like I know myself to be a person with so much love to give so much like affection to give if like someone wants it. But like um <laughs> like it's it's like um the other the the other like um so yeah like this record's called dedicated but like it's kind of not really about that it's not really about like a long-term relationship necessarily not it's kind of like more like Ezra was saying like some of some of the songs are the same the exact same emotional territory as emotion like literally like where like some of those some of these songs on dedicate could be dropped into emotion and just like no one would really know of like maybe like happy not knowing or like uh maybe julian even though julian kind of sounds a little different but like some it's like kind of that same thematic territory of like being haunted unmet desire um just like relationship confusion all that stuff but then um with this record, it's like very much like um, the other part. The other thread is like the um, a breakup with like one of her current boyfriends, like kind of the dissolution of one of her current relationships. And then uh, at the same time, new love, you know, like she's found new love and is getting the reciprocation she needs and deserves. And like those are the three threads within the record. And. To me, like, it feels a little disconnected. It doesn't, the sequencing to me is a little, like, strange of, like, how, like, because, like, they're kind of, like, following three different threads at the same time. Like, a sitcom, like, kind of has, like, three subplots at the same time, like, that are kind of all different. Um, but at the same time, I, I kind of like it in terms of, like, that's how life is. I'm just, like how like you know some days you're happy and like horny and some days you're like very sad and horny <laughs> yeah i can uh, i can attest to that brother <laughs> uh you're right in that there's a little bit of uh, clunky sequencing too i'm 
I think this yeah. about pretty much every album that gets released now. Maybe I'm just old, but you can always, I think, cut at least three songs from every album. I think anything more than 11 tracks or 12 maybe is is excessive. I think you're you're underlining the point too many times. I think each I think every record should be the length of a Nokia ringtone and like I'm good. Oh, uh, so true. That means every song is like yeah. 2 seconds. <laughs> just But they're I, all I, different just ideas length, too. Like, <laughs> That's right. And yeah. they work together cohesively. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, like the the process behind this record, like Carly's process is very interesting. Maybe not that interesting, but like um, um, Carly's process for like songwriting, um, she kind of um, like she said this many, many times, but like she writes about 200 songs and then whittles it down to 15. And they, they have like a listening party and like they vote on which songs they like the best. So like that is why... I think like a strength of hers in terms of quality of like, she has all these ideas, all these wonderful ideas, but then just like whittled down to like the 15 best ones, which is why the quality of the songs are like very high in my opinion. But then the, the, the downside is like, they're not very, it's not quite cohesive in a sense. It's like a lot of like, it's like four years of her life, basically just like kind of like, weaving in and out of like different times and different like um ideas really um and not really being about dedicate like um the once the title track of the song is not on this record because it's like about her ex which is like a very it's like so like that's kind that to me like kind of i would like a better title could have been like feels right or something like that um but Apparently like, the working know. title it's was good. like music you can clean your house to or something like that, which I feel like is very fitting because listening yeah, to it yeah. like and just kind of letting the music wash over me like I want to get up and like do things like it makes me restless because it's so like mm-hmm, poppy mm-hmm. and upbeat and like has kind of funk elements to it. Like, yeah, wasn't it going to be more fully disco too in her original conception of it and then she kind of pulled back on it? I think that was, so. That was yeah. what I was reading in interviews. Yeah, she like was like very... uh she wanted to make a disco record, um, which would have been cool, by the way. Like, I, I, thought, I think she, like, works well in that genre. But, like, she found herself being pulled, like, her, like, kind of writing team, like, kind of, like, she found herself, she found that to be too limiting, ultimately. And so she, like, kind of wanted to go back to some of the 80s pop and emotion and, like, explore some 90s stuff. And, like, also, like, there's some, like, very 2012-y, you know, modern you know, this pumping help. I'm having a I'm devolving. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, it's just like, um, yeah, just like, uh, so that's like the, that's like a, I guess we get like, uh, we go into low lights right after this break. And we're back here. Talk about, Dedicated. Dedicated. <laughs> dedicated. But, yeah, yeah. Three, three friends. Um, so, like, um, Dedicated uh, by Carly Rae Jepsen. Let's go into, like, lowlights. What do you feel like are songs or or even just general ideas that, like, are, like, kind of the lowlights for you? I think any, uh, like I was saying about my preconceived expectations that um, 
I, I don't like it whenever it sounds too 2019 or 2018 pop, like late aughts pop. When it gets into sort of like, yeah, XCX or Eilish territory in terms of, oh, this beat is going to sound dated in X amount of years or, or even like some of the mm-hmm, recent Taylor mm-hmm. stuff, which I think happens more in the latter half of the album. Like maybe the sound gets into that, maybe automatically in love or right words, wrong time. Uh, that stuff I feel like I don't I don't need I don't need on the album. Sometimes that like uh I for me like uh what's it called? Real love and uh 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 uh, uh now that I found you. I feel like the um I like those songs a lot. I think I really enjoy those songs, but it's like when it kind of goes into the or like the it already sounds dated like i think she executes it pretty well but like it does sound like you're right that like in a few years it's gonna sound even more dated and it doesn't play to her strengths of like using retro elements but also feeling modern at the same time but also feeling somewhat timeless um like she doesn't rely on just like doing an eighties tribute. Like she kind of like takes some elements of that and incorporate, incorporate, incorporates it into the stuff she's interested in. Um, but yeah, I feel like though that's a weak element. Yeah. I definitely um, agree with Kevin that it's like uh, stronger at the beginning of the album. And then um, it kind of like mm-hmm. devolves in its sound a little bit. And like a lot of the stuff ends up sounding uh, very similar to each other too. There aren't like really as many like standout songs towards the end. And that's kind of a shame. I also think party for one is like a strange sequencing to put that as the last. Yeah. One. I don't think that it fits on the album. Like I think it was a good single, but it was like a boat. It's like a bonus um, track. Like technically Real Love is the fin- the last song. For sure, and Party for One are the two bonus tracks. Um, but, yeah, like, Real Love, I think, is a decent ending. Um, it is a little cliche, uh, just, like, the idea. Of, but, like, the thing I think... I think Carly... For like, Carly, like, it's more about the execution than, like, a new original idea of, like... Like, kind of delving into like the depths of humanity really. well yeah it's like, just more about like the execution of like yeah people have said about her before that like um i don't remember where i read it but uh she like her music is kind of meant to be felt more than it's meant to be like um like thought about deeply and like the words and stuff and uh, I definitely feel that when I do kind of like try to break it down a little bit more, like because she has a lot of very cliched ideas and like repetition, and things like that, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just her style. Yeah. And she's an interesting artist in that I think we expect a lot of vulnerability and candor from artists about like what's going on in their personal life. And everyone loves being like a little Twitter detective about like, well, this lyric means <laughs> this about this boy. And this lyric means this about she went to Italy and then she met this producer. So like, and, <laughs> and really the truth of it is she is like an artist in the way of I mean she is an artist but she is a craftsman more it feels like where she's like building songs for yeah yeah. listening pleasure less so than like the full autobiography auto fictional stuff that like a Beyonce or Taylor will do 
where it is like, okay, this one's John Mayer, this one's Harry Styles, this is about Scooter Braun, this is about Kanye. And like, there's not that one for one autobiography to read in her stuff. She is literally just like making tables for us. <laughs> She's not like monetizing her own emotional. I mean, she is, and that like everybody is, and like everyone puts a little bit of their own. Well, yeah, she'll take like elements of her life but she doesn't make one song specifically about this person like even the song julian like it has a person's name as the title and i guess she took that from her own experience but the song's not about that person yeah it's weird but yeah. yeah yeah and like that completely makes sense with the like with her songwriting process too like the fact that she stockpiles so many songs and then just picks out the best ones because if you are writing that many songs you cannot come up with like 200 like really solid good ideas that are vulnerable and like uh mm-hmm. like cogent mm-hmm. points i guess for sure which you know and i'm and i'm i'm happy about like i I like people who just like, OK, I'm going to write down it. Like, I feel like there's artists where where the it definitely comes more from a wellspring of I have something that I am dying to tell you. And there's like this thing happening inside of me internally that I must externalize or I'm going to go crazy. And then there's people where it's like this is this is the position and these are my giftings that I have. And so I do want to share my giftings with you, but I don't want you to mistake it for like. I'm like your buddy, like writing you a letter or a text or something in the middle of the night. I think we kind of like expect too much of artists at this point because of like other artists who will be like a little bit more vulnerable. Like I think both styles are fine, but like I think that we need to stop pushing um, like that uh, kind of like vulnerability, like more uh, like writing their heart out style. Like we need to stop pushing that on people who are more like craftsmen. Yeah. Which I mean, uh, this has always been the case where there is like, how does this compare to this in the real life? And how is this song actually about this? And okay. You know, like this probably happened with bands before. And obviously like the Beatles, you can track like even, even stuff going as far back in, in, uh, in like pop is that but i do wonder if this is just like an unfortunate slightly dystopian byproduct of of like internet culture and like the endlessly monetizable yeah. self that we do sort of crave that from artists and people and when we like of a certain level and when we don't get it we feel uh short shifted or or like uh cheapened on on our end of the bargain and maybe again, it's like an old school sensibility, but I'm fine with like my pop stars being more like in some ways what she is, which is like an empty cipher uh, for whatever the reception of the message would be. Yeah. The, the strength of like I mentioned this last episode, the strength of her music is you could put yourself in it. You could like say, oh, it's me. Just like, you know, like. That's the value of like putting yourself in it um, is the I think the the function she provides. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I, on the other side of that, too, like the critics, like I don't really have any songs that I like actively dislike. Like I think they're all good and great. Um, but the criticism that I could see is like, on the flip side of what you're saying of like, not everyone has to like share everything about themselves. Not everyone has to be like super personal. The other side of it is I feel like sometimes she is a little too corp. Like the, she can be a little corporate in a sense. 
of like you know her like her music videos are like you know there's like tiktok plugs in there and like car it's like a car commercial at the same time and like uh just like uh uh feels right the remix of that like well at the same time sorry to interrupt um please please at the same time because of the type of artist she is i feel like that works okay um like because she's not it's not like she's selling out in any way she's just like making more money on top of like like in a style that she can do it like i I really and i also like understand the conundrum of like um you know the corporations will give you money to like so that you could like fund your music video like or whatever like that i get that function but like um yeah there there's like there's something a little black mirror black mirror black mirrory about just like how you know she'll like do a pride remix with like bud light and like the i read somewhere online of like how like insidious well that shit annoys me because of rainbow capitalism not because of anything no Carly's but doing. truly like the idea of like just like it's like um it, it's because like those corporations don't actually care about you they don't like actually give a shit about you or your life they just want to sell you something and it's like pretty insidious in that way and it feels a little it feels a little icky that carly's involved but like also like because she's so likable and lovable and stuff like yeah and like how like the idea of like you know uh alcoholism is like very prevalent in like queer communities and like they corporations sometimes will like prey on that like they will like actively it's like fucked up it's deeply fucked up um but yeah we love carly we love you carly come on the show (laughs) hey (laughs) yeah um that sounds familiar (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about um i think it's a demi quote i don't know like punch up the jam um yeah that's right that's what that's what i mean (laughs) um so let's get into highlights uh, what are some highlights for you guys? I mean, too much. That's like one of my favorite songs of the year. Ooh. I like the spare arrangement of it and how uh, moody and even the that felt like a nice progression of, well, don't just do like the 80s synth pop core stuff again, but also progress just a little bit without forgetting that. But even the do like that beat that I feel like is so prevalent in 2019 pop but it still felt filtered through her sensibilities in a nice way so i really enjoyed that and it's just like such a nice central metaphor to hang a song on that's something gosh it's so stupid but like it's something springsteen said a long time ago and like a vh1 thing is like all you need for your song like as a starting point you just need a good central metaphor so just like whatever that idea is and then everything else flows out of whatever that metaphor is so the idea of like the common parlance we have in relationships and friendships or like when you're getting to know someone or there might be exciting new romantic connection and you're saying like oh actually is this too much or like am i being too much right now and then like the kind of playfulness by which she's turning that on, I think it's just such an elegant yeah. pop sensibility to put that in. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm about to tear off. That was so beautiful. <laughs> like, was like, oh, wow. The first tears on the podcast. Like, oh, man. Um, but like, um, 
<laughs> oh man um like that really got like i uh yeah as like a chronic overthinker like that's a real not even just romance in particular just like anything really just like i worry that like i am too much i worry that like i am like um and like in one of my favorite moments in the concert i that we went to was like um was when carly like kind of prefaced the song like you know hey guys we're all too much but uh just uh you know and we all are too much. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, we're all too much sometimes. <laughs> we're all too much sometimes. Um, but you know, our too muchness makes us great. And any any of those feelings, just give them to me today. I'm like, that's like really like a really lovely thing. That is and, like, really lovely. Very sweet. I yeah like, yeah and like I personally do feel that a lot too for myself. And like uh, like I've been told in like probably those same exact words that I am too much. And like, that's something that like, I've kind of lived a lot in like kind of thinking that I'm a little bit too like intense or like, um, dramatic or just a lot for people. And like, I have a lot of, uh, like mental shit going on, like mental health stuff. And so like, uh, people can be kind of shitty about that. And like, because of that, like that, is something that like I'm very insecure about and so like having kind of a song that like voices that um really well like either in a romantic context or not is like really helpful for me like I'm sure that this will end up being like super overplayed for me because like I relate a lot to it and like it's a fucking bop like it sounds great like for all the reasons that you were saying Kevin I'm we're neither of us are as like musically articulate but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, well I, and I think it's so sweet that it does touch upon a central uh, idea for everybody and like an access point of of getting into it, like most great music does. And and then also just like the the uh, cleverness of it and the turn of phrase where it's like, is this too much Does speak to insecurity? But then in the song, when she's saying, is this too much? It is like. I know this isn't too much. And I'm kind of I'm kind of joking around with you right now because it's like yeah. clearly we're both into it, but I'm still saying it like in a playful way where it's like, is this too much? Of course, the guy's gonna be like, nope, it's not too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that push and pull of like just like having your basic needs, desires met, but also like um actually be like i think it's very possible to literally be too much for people and like put too much emotional burden on people but also like having that confidence and like it's it's all well yeah but like pushing so, too much on people is different than being too much yourself too and i think right, that that exactly, needs to be acknowledged yeah, and exactly. that's something that like uh i think is a really hard thing to learn too like um when you do have a habit of doing that Ezra? Yeah? That's why you're my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Should I leave? (laughs) I don't know. So sweet. You're fine. Um, So, okay. um, uh, Highlight for me. Want you in my room. How fun. What a fun time. Like, I love how big it is. I love how, again, just like how confident and like... um, it's a it's a wholesome horny bop. It's like great. It's just like 
it's I really don't have a lot more to say about it. Like Jack Antonoff produced it. Um, it feels huge. It feels like like very, very, very 80s. Um, it's playful. And uh, the only issue I have with it is like like a barber, like a barber that has a three star review on Yelp. I have mixed feelings about that fade. Fade. Wow. <laughs> what a long walk to a great destination. It was worth it. <laughs> I learned for the best, baby. Um, but like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I say baby too. Um, but like, um, <laughs> yeah. What are you? What are you? What are you guys' thoughts on like one two in my room? Yeah, no, I, uh, gosh, it feels like his, he's just dominant. Antonov has just dominated so much of the last two years of what so I've listened good. to. Uh, pretty undeniable. And it was the, it was the one maybe most cast in the mold of emotion stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's like pretty flagrant throwback, uh, tendency. And, um, uh, like the, you can just kind of see the John Hughes movie that it scored yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I thought about it in those terms, and uh, yeah, I think I think it snuck up on me. But I, I remember the first time listening to, it, I'm like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> but then it, it's, I'm surprised that it did become my most listened to Carly song of 2019. Uh, I. I enjoyed one, two in my room, but I wouldn't really say that it was necessarily a highlight for me. Um, I do uh, like the production on it a lot, um, but I, in general, don't really have a lot to say on it. It's her horn. It may, it's one of her explicitly horniest songs, too. That seems like a different. Oh, sort yeah, of thing. for sure. Especially because of the the horniness of of uh, or the wholesomeness rather of Call Me Maybe is just so like is so I want to hold your hand core that then her saying I want to do bad things to you does feel like such an interesting contrast. But I think like that was like something she was trying to articulate in her unique, in her like very unique cutesy way during that era, during kiss, during emotion, she was trying to express those like horny (laughs) emotions, but like also like in a way that like is palatable in a way that like didn't make her feel like a little like, but like I think she's at a point now where she's very like even now she's like a little like you could tell she's like a little she's still like kind of figuring out her body she's still trying to like figuring out how to present herself in a, a little bit but like at this point, she's a young woman going through a lot of changes and we need to yeah, be respectful yeah. of that and honor yeah. that yeah <laughs> thanks for stopping me <laughs> but, yeah, yeah but, uh, <laughs> like you can definitely tell like how she's grown so much in confidence like i was saying at the beginning of this like she uh is in like a similar place in the feelings that she's having a little bit but she's like uh kind of stepping out there a little bit more and like i think that that's great uh what's a highlight for you ezra uh so one highlight for me was um i'll be your girl I kind of like that she like explores a different style a little bit there, um, like a little bit more indie influence and then emotional texture. Too. Different, yeah, that's what I, exactly what I was gonna say. Like different emotions too. Like she doesn't really dive into like kind of anger and jealousy, jealousy and stuff anger, like that yeah. a lot, but like uh, so like seeing that side of her, um, it definitely like breaks up the album in an interesting way because um, uh, like I'd say that this stands out from like any of the other songs on the album. I love how like ink like I love like just like the line like um I'll trade places tonight if um you love me like that. Also the line uh 
um, I pray I'm getting over it. Like, I think, like, you know, jealousy is a very normal thing. Jealousy, like, everyone feels that at one point in their life. And just, like, I think she's hoping... I like the idea of, like, she's hoping that, like, these feelings will ultimately be constructive. These feelings will ultimately... This is, like, a phase she needs to get through to, like, get to, like, a better place, in a sense. I don't know. Um... Yeah, what, what is, uh, any other highlights from this record? Like, let's just like go, let's, let's just barrel through these. Uh, for me, I'd say Julian is another highlight. Like, I think she starts out like, really strong Julian. with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's such like, a, like, a, almost like a minor kickoff, too. That makes it interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I love that um, you can kind of, like, instantly, like, uh, kind of feel the more, like, uh, disco, like, synth pop style like her kind of breaking out of what she did before a little bit um i think that it's like so chill and so like uh different and i like it gotta concur gotta concur i love that i love everything he needs a little remix of that shelly duvall song from the popeye movie yeah it's like it asks it it asks nay begs the question like what if olive oil fucked just no <laughs> i mean i think we know what would happen and they do have a son together don't they they have a son i didn't know this i thought popeye and olive oil have a son i could be wrong about that oh, i just i just love a girl with like malleable bone density <laughs> yeah and you put that in your profiles right <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not having a lot of luck. I don't know now. why. <laughs> <laughs> um what what yeah, I I apologize for interrupting <laughs> you, Kevin. Oh, you doing? So <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um yeah, what do you think? Like uh what do you in your what do you in my room? Everything he needs. Uh, no, yeah. no, no, sorry. Um uh uh everything he needs. Yeah, yeah. Um it's great. It's great. I um just like um it, it, it like uh, she's kind of like because she has this reciprocated love, she's exploring the she finally gets to ex like live out and explore the potential she knows she has as like this caretaker. And like it's not she like um, a very understated sexiness too. just like, you know, again, like it's a like hold like she's talking about like holding his hand or whatever like that. It's like but it's like very like. The, it's more about the lead up than the Well, and I think it's cool that, itself. like, on this album, she's kind of exploring the idea of, like, he needs me, not, like, necessarily I need him all the time. And I think that that speaks yeah, a lot to her yeah. growth. And that's women doing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. 20 summer, <laughs> 2020 by the time this will be out. I don't know. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, th this episode's coming out in April, so, like, it's, it's, it's hot on the heels. Um, <laughs> I love Feels Right. It's, like, such a... I think, like, the that's the... Um, that's another sign of growth for her, is, like, she's able to enjoy the present in terms of, like, you're my complicated... My, you're my complicated friend. Like you, we're not anything right now, but just like, first of all, the idea of just like having a friend that like you spend a lot of time with and you feel a lot of chemistry with. And like, it's just like time passes just very easily. And like, you just love each other's company, like very relatable. 
Um, but then the idea of um, her being able to just enjoy this without like the, a lot of emotion just is just about like the impending doom of like, I feel great about this. I feel this love towards this person, but then like, he doesn't want me. So then ultimately this feeling will like kind of like end and like, I'm, I'm going to feel, I'm going to, there's going to be a crash at the end. But with this, it's like, she's just able to enjoy the present. It's like really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lovely way to put it. Thank you. Um, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. I love you. Oh, wow. <laughs> you too, Do you bud. Guys want me to go? Or? Oh, wow. Uh, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, uh, 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 I, 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 I do love you, Kevin. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> I do. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Diagnosis, an award-winning short film by friend of the podcast, Tanner Richard Kraft. It's about a mother who learns how to evolve as a parent in the face of her son's autism diagnosis. In less than a month of the public release, it has been very well received, with many saying it tats into the very real feelings of frustration or fear they feel adjusting to this diagnosis, either as a parent or an autistic person. I think this is a really wonderful film. I've seen it myself. It has like little touches of Linklater in it, and he has a lot of promise as a filmmaker, and I cannot wait to see what he does next. You can check Diagnosis out on Tanner Richard Craft's YouTube channel, or check it out in the link in the description. Now back to the show, baby. Bye. Hope the rest of the episode's good. So, uh, 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 let's uh, kind of give this our ratings. Um, the way this works is we'll uh, give this rating one out of ten, blanks out of blank. Blanks out of ten, like uh, I'm, and then I'm you'll pick something like from the album, direct, basically. Like we directly stole this from Gilmore, <laughs> guys. <laughs> yeah, again, this feels like a dream I had a long time I, ago. I, I, I had no idea. I did not. I was not part of this. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we'll. Uh, you know how this works. Uh. Let's. Uh. Uh. Ezreal, how how about you? Uh. Give your. You go first. Oh God! Oh geez. Okay. Um. So I. Uh, oh, geez. oh I did like. Um. Just really love the album. I love that she's kind of stepping into like new territory a little bit. Um. But it still feels like true to herself. Like she has kind of a cohesive like narrative throughout things. Um. Well, I mean, she has a cohesive like, uh, career narrative, not necessarily like from one song to the other. Um. And. Uh, I think that for like what she's trying to accomplish, like she pulls it off really well. Um, I love like the disco influence. Like uh, this is music that like I will probably regularly listen to um, after we're done with this. Since I wasn't, since I was the only one who hadn't really listened to it. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't really have any major complaints on the album, so uh, Andrew, you're going to be happy about this. I'll give it 10 out of 10 lighthouses. What? Wow! What a fun time! That makes me very happy. Okay, Kevin, we turn to you. Yeah, I gotta gotta be honest and and legitimate about my feelings, so I'm going to say a 7.5 out of 10 freaking bedrooms. 
Wow. Yeah, because I mean, if emotion is a nine, this is a 7.5 for me. Still super positive, still one of my favorite albums of the year, Avi, but does fall a little bit short in terms of the cohesion and maybe even to the surprise factor. It's almost like because comedies are so like when you see a comedy movie, so much of the enjoyment is predicated on the idea of surprise. And then usually comedy suite sequels are really bad. So it, this almost feels like the surprise is gone. And I know that, that she's going to put out something stand worthy. So maybe because of that, there's a little bit uh, less enjoyment because of that. That yeah. makes sense. I don't know. Hangover 2 was a raucous fun time. We all enjoyed that. <laughs> You're right. I take society. it back. 10 out of 10 bedrooms. <laughs> Um, so, um, okay, so my, uh, man, wow, uh, I gotta match Ezra and give it a 10 out of 10 complicated friends. Hey. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've listened to this record so many times. It makes me very happy. Like, I guess, like, when you kind of dissect it a little further, um, I kind of feel the same way about as I like it less than emotion, but I still think it's great. I still think it's a 10. Like, cause like ultimately there's no perfect album. There's no, per there's no album that truly is a 10 at the end of the day. I, I really don't think, um, but it's just more about personal enjoyment. It's more about personal, like function of like, this is a record I play all the time, regardless of if we're recording it for like content or the clicks or chasing that blue check mark. Um, but like it's it's really just <laughs> it's really just like a lovely um record. It's very sweet, very wholesome, very horny. Um and uh just like right place, right time, really, ultimately. Um so 10 out of 10 complicated friends. So, alright. Wow. Uh <laughs> um, so now we're gonna get into our <gasps> I've been meaning to listen to that. And I did. Playlist. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, I'll go first this week. Um, there's another record that I think is like really fantastic that came out earlier this, like this literally the same day. And I listened to this record and then emotion in the same run. So like, it was like a two hour run. I was just like, having a jolly good time. Um, so this song is, and like, the song I wanted to do um, this week is, uh, oh, New Magic Wand by Tyler, the Creator. Click. Sometimes you gotta close the door to open a window. I saw a photo, you look joyous. So, um, I really, I think this record, Igor by Tyler, the Creator, is like one of the best breakup records, um, this year at least, and maybe not canonically ever, but like this year, it's one of the best breakup records. And this is the phrase in the breakup where like, he's just like very kind of exploring the same territory as like Carly's, like, um, I'll be your girl. I just like this jealousy of just like this, yeah, just this jealousy, this anger, just like this person's in the way. And if this person would get out of the way we would, us two would be happy together. Um, just like a very like cathartic, angry song that like, um, but it's also like, um, just the production is immaculate and uh, really well done. And uh, yeah, this record's like really great. Um, I like it. So 
I think it's good. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am going to choose um, a song that, like, uh, I was kind of reminded of listening to this just because, uh, like, it does have that kind of, like, chill, like, slightly, like, disco-y, funky sound. Um, and it's also one that came out this year and is probably... Like, it's one of the few that made it onto my, like, um, Spotify, like, wrapped thing that wasn't, uh, like, something that we, like, listened to preparing for the podcast. Um, (laughs) And uh, so that shows you how much I listen to it, I guess. Uh, But I'm going to choose Making Love by Sir Woman. Wow. Click. She's making love in the mind and she's not even So yeah, like I said, it's just kind of like a nice like laid back uh song. Like the title is very much indicative of like what the song is in general. Um it's uh like Sir Woman is um like a member of like Wild Child's uh like it's like her personal kind of endeavors um, and like her solo stuff. And uh, yeah, I think that that's really cool that they've kind of like hopped over to that. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to pick Dreams Tonight by Always, which is spelled not with a W, wow. but two Vs. Love that song. Click. Road here on the bus. Now you're one of us. It was magic. That was that was something that uh, came organically, not via algorithm, but via friend. Which, if you have friends that will make mixes for you and make you feel a little bit better Aww, about not being sweet. subject to the whims of Spotify, you know, invading you and your every thought, then uh, I would I would fully recommend that. Have your friends make you a little playlist. We should start doing that yeah, for each other, friends, Andrew. The original algorithm. That's right. <laughs> uh yeah so um thank you so much kevin like this is like really like truly like i don't think it could have gone it could have gone better like it was great (laughs) yeah this is wonderful thanks for having me friends yeah thanks for being on the show that's awesome to have you here and everything finally got a verified person instead of all those other losers Yeah, you're so like, um, yeah, you're incredibly articulate, incredibly empathetic, and um, just like, I, I um, yeah, the thing, uh, your pin tweet about Mr. Rogers and like how um, it's kind of like that sacred space of like your podcast, like reaching out to people and like uh, impacting people in like different ways is like very like, I feel like you do that too. You do that too. And uh, we just want to thank you for that. Um, so. Oh, it's very sweet. Yeah. Thank you so much, friend. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm very happy right now. <laughs> oh. oh. Andrew, you're adorable. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, so now we're going to end with a closing sentiment prepared by Kevin that he's going to put in the little chat box in Skype. Three. Two, two, one, one. If your if friends, friends really, really care, 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 you know, you know they'll, they'll, be, be, there. they'll there. be there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
it's very it's very wholesome you're <laughs> wholesome we're, we're all small adorable beans um thank you so much everyone have a good day click click boom you guys were very good hosts i really appreciate it. i felt taken care of <laughs>